Waking up. So the recorder, this is the recorder we put it on the tripod to try to minimize the noise from the table. Copy. And we slide that to turn it on. Okay. And it lights up and we check that there are three battery indicators that the battery is full. And hit the, uh, the button to record, red light goes on, numbers start ticking up. It's recording now and I'll remove this part later. And um, we, the levels, I, I will look over at the levels occasionally, mm -hmm. and it's automatic, the levels are automatic, mm -hmm. but the peak of what somebody says should be between negative 12 and negative 6. And notice for me, it's not doing that because I'm behind. Copy, so if I start recorder. speaking, then it jumps up to where... Yeah. Close to Should it. I raise my voice then? Should I be a little I louder? Or just a little closer? Close to you guys. Okay. Um, what I do is sort of position it like this, and then the interviewer, oh, and then you as the interviewer, and then the interviewer speaks up a little bit because okay. they're off to the side. Um, and what I'll do, I'll hang out and work on my computer, and um, if uh, if there's any technical difficulties, you'll hop over. Right, and I'll occasionally look over to check the levels okay. and to see the time. If you guys want to um, go to the bathroom and take a break, whatever you want, okay. um, then uh, I can I can probably stop it if we're doing it midway through. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, later I'll just put the sound files together. Okay. And um, uh, and it's the inter the last thing is the interviews are hard to edit later. Yes. So we encourage people to just talk about what you want to be about. And if you're unsure about a topic, you can steer clear of it. Some people avoid talking about drama. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be living here for a while. <laughs> so <laughs> hold the drama out on the table. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I, I personally think that the best interviews come from people like saying something new, like yeah. sort of being open to really thinking about the questions and like not just giving a packaged answer. And yeah. how you guys go about that is totally up to you. Gotcha. And yeah. the questions exactly. you asked, sort of how much you talk, mm -hmm. all of that, the topics you address, all of that is up to you guys. Okay. And whatever feels right to you, you know. We, um, I, I, I find um, that whatever somebody's talking about, like, ideas they have, things that they struggle with, that connecting it into a story about their life, like mm -hmm. when it became an issue, how it unfolded in their life, is often a decent way into it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, that's up to 
Yes. Okay. Um, any questions for me at all? Mm. Okay. I mean, I've done it. I've been on the other side, so yeah. I yeah. kind of know how it flows. Um, yeah. The, it's fairly sensitive to noise, so if, if you put things down on the table, mm. pick that up. And then if cell phones, if they're not from the airplane, if they get too close to it, they'll make interference. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll put it on the airplane. Yeah. I'm just using my, my notes are in here. Uh, well, you're fine over there. Um, it's just if you the cell phone is right, you go, no, I'm sure. Terrible. Okay. And I think you guys are just going to come and go and use the bathroom. Oh, that should be fun. Ah, there's no trash can in here. You know what the girl? Yeah, just save mine. Yeah, I got a, um, I think. Do you want to go looking for one? No, I got a, um. There's, it looks like there's one right outside. Oh, God. Right. And that, that paragraph when you rated it is the cue that I'll look for to just delete everything. Okay. okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Hello, my name is Sir Knight, and I will be having a conversation with Ryan Holmes uh, for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. Today is May 14, 2019, and this is being recorded at Mid-Manhattan Library. Ryan, we're so happy to have you here. Um, again, the New York City Trans Oral History Project is a community archive of transgender uh, resistance, resilience, and survival in New York City. Uh, Black Trans TV's goal is to share the narratives of people who look like us, love like us, um, Love Like Us, this interview will be a collaboration between two, so Black Trans TV and New York Public Library, to highlight the brilliant oral history of black folks of trans experience. So, can you please start with your name and your pronouns? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Ryan, and my pronouns are they, them, for the sake of this interview. Sounds good, sounds yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you personally, so yes. I was like, this is going to be a great time interviewing <laughs> you. Um, you are from Maryland as well, yep. so I wanted to know if you could get a little bit into that. Like, growing mm-hmm. up in Maryland, how was Baby Ryan? <laughs> yeah, uh, Baby, baby. that's a really dope question. Nobody's really checked in about Baby Ryan yeah. in a minute. Um, yeah, Baby Ryan was cool. I, I feel like uh, my younger self is, is really similar to who I am today. Um, but, yeah, I grew up in Maryland, like you said, um, I was born in Washington, D.C. Um, for a really short time, lived in Forestville, and grew up in Largo, for people that are really familiar. <laughs> and, you know, there were, uh, there were like really great times in my childhood, and there were also like some, some challenging things for me. But um, for the most part, you know, I grew up with a great family. Um, there were five kids in the house, so it was like yes. really never a dull moment. Um, and then, you know, I just, I was just like really like outside, like playing a lot, just really enjoying um, being a rough tomboy is what they called me yeah. at the time. But at the time I was just really being myself. So um, just a really active kid, probably a little anxious, but I didn't really have language for that yet. Um, just had like a lot of energy, was just always trying to move and like be in my body. Yeah. How would you describe the word tomboy? Uh, 
I feel like a lot of us, especially masculinists that are assigned female birth people, mm-hmm. are called to- tomboys, and it's acceptable, and it's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like you were treated when they realized you weren't just a tomboy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel really, uh, I feel like I really remember that moment mm-hmm. where questions about, like, you know, where's your boyfriend or, yeah. <laughs> you know, put this dress on for church and, like, different things like that started to become an issue when I was probably, like, turning, like, 13, 14. You know, the five of us in the house, it was three, I had three older sisters, so it would have made sense for me to kind of fall into, like, doing the things that they were doing, but that just wasn't happening. So um, it was weird. Like, I feel like my mom was kind of cool with it in a sense because she thought it would keep me from getting pregnant young. <laughs> so she was they like, all think that. you know yeah. what I'm saying? She yeah. was like, all right, all right, yeah, this tomboy thing is cool because yeah. you're not in these streets and I don't have to worry about you bringing. That was like, you know, a big thing. And so, um, and I feel like my dad maybe had some issues with it, but but we were able to get through it a little bit because I, I was in sports. So he was able to support me like running track. So there was like a reason that I was like, you know, dressed down or doing me, and, and that was all kind of, like, qualified by other things. But it was a tense thing. Like, they definitely had an idea of who I should have been, and I just didn't ever, like, transform into that. Now, you said there's five of you. Right. Is there anyone else in your family that's queer? Or? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would say most of my sisters are, like, queer as fuck. I don't know if they would identify that way, but... Okay. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I have stepsisters who, like, have, like, had lovers that, you know, and everybody wants to talk to me about the shit because I'm yeah. probably, like, the most visibly queer person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely, like, a couple cousins and stuff. But I w- And then, like, nieces that mm-hmm. are, like, you know, but I feel like I was definitely feeling like it was just me mm-hmm. when I was younger. You know, I didn't know that anybody in my family was even, like, having those experiences or, you know, I didn't know I had, like, you know, gay family before me, like, that just didn't, I didn't think it was possible. So you felt like you were all alone in this scenario of life, and you're just like, oh, I'm just different, but maybe I'm not different because I'm just a tomboy, and that's acceptable, so Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just a different type of girl. Exactly. So what was the moment where you felt like it was more than just tomboyism? And yes, I said tomboyism. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you better, (laughs) yo, sir, just quoted tomboyism, that's you, dog. (laughs) I heard it it first. Um, Yeah, like, I think, uh, I don't know. I think, like, honestly, when I notice sort of, like, what I now kind of call dysphoria, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I was kind of a small kid, so I didn't really develop, develop, but when anything was happening, I was like, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I would really try hard to hide my little nini. My little, you know, they were small. What what do you call them? I should have said ninnies. My little (laughs) ninnies. (laughs) They were small. They were small at the time, you know what I'm saying? So trying to really, like, cover cover my chest or and, and then it was weird because I wasn't sure if it was because of like how I identify or if I started to notice how you know younger young girls around me were starting to be objectified and that made me really uncomfortable mm-hmm. so it was like a dual thing at play for me personally where I was just like mm, I don't really want that type of attention also that I don't really I don't really you know I maybe would have experimented more with different like yeah. stuff but I was like nah I'm good you know what I'm saying <laughs> I ain't showing nothing I want everything loose, you know. Plus, it was like the '90s. I was really in style. Like that was you For could sure. really you could do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, the late '90s. I'm not that old, but so you're figuring yourself out. You're mm-hmm. like, 
I'm not comfortable wearing these clothes. Mm-hmm. I know I'm different. Yeah. When did you start exploring the actual identity that they call lesbianism, right? Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> you're in the body that is not yours, so right. that's a whole different sector. We'll exactly. get into that. But yeah, yeah. Um, so when they identified you as a lesbian, mm-hmm. when was that moment? Because I'm for me, I know it was when I started dating women. So yeah, um, I mean, I was probably getting that before any. I was even like had a girlfriend or anything mm-hmm. like that, like because. But yeah, I started dating women probably like, yeah, in high school. Okay. Um, maybe like ninth, tenth grade, tenth grade. Yeah, like tenth grade. Um, but it was still real, like low, like kind of on the low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had my little end with the Catholic school. You knew about Seton, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I had like three, four different situationships mm-hmm. throughout the years. Well, there. tell the people a little bit more about Seton. Like, yeah. yeah, Seton was just like the all girls. Um, Catholic school, but it wasn't like what you're thinking. It was like a lot of black girls, <laughs> and from from all around the way. They, you know, um, it was, but it was still like a diverse situation. But it was just like really gay. Like there was a lot of just lesbianism, and as AAU, you said, like balling and stuff oh yeah, like that. sports yeah. and you know all that stuff. So um, whatever the correlation between queerness and sports is, you know, yeah. Um, that was definitely, like, how I was meeting people, but, yeah, I would say, like, very, pretty early. As soon as, like, most kids, not most, but as soon as a lot of kids start dating. Gotcha. Is when I started, too. And then, through dating, is that how you discovered that you mm-hmm. were even more different than you thought you were? Because I think that it goes from, like, being a tomboy, mm-hmm. being perceived as a lesbian, you're dating women. Right. When was that moment for you when you're just like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I'm not a lesbian, I'm yeah. clearer than that, and how do I identify myself? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I always sort of felt those things, but I I really didn't have language to it mm. until I moved to New York way after that. Okay, cool. So yeah. we'll, get, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So you're in Seton, mm-hmm. um, you're playing ball. You, or, no, I wasn't you're playing, playing ball? Track. Okay. Yeah, you're in track. track, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was athletics. Okay, so yeah, you're yeah. running track, mm-hmm. you're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like that culture at Seton helped um, facilitate a safe space for you? Well, I actually, I was just saying, I dated a few girls from Seton. I actually went to Largo, which was okay, also a very gay environment for whatever reason. There was a lot of gay kids there. Mm. But, um, nah, I didn't really, like, fit in still. Okay. You know? Like, okay. I didn't feel comfortable being out. I feel like it was, like, a super hot topic. I, I was, like, spied on and, like, outed and, like, mm. um, just talked about a lot by, like, coaches, other kids, other parents in community, because I was also running really well, so I had a lot of attention on me from track and stuff like that, and people just deep in my business about it, Mm. Um, so no, I didn't really feel supported, and I felt really uh, alone, and I felt really um, shamed Mm -hmm. at that time in high school, and then I had this other little pocket of friends where we were just like living our wild gay life. Yeah. You know, but it felt like this, like, you know, almost like devilish, sneaky thing that I was doing that made me super happy. But literally all other aspects of my life, Mm -hmm. including like influences from Christianity or like my parents or, you know, my my classmates telling me that everything I was doing was wrong or like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, high school was great and shitty. Well, can you talk about that a little bit? Mm Because I know you're talking about challenges while growing up and then you Mm -hmm. bring in religion. And I know being black Mm -hmm. and being queer, Mm -hmm. 
and then now knowing that you're actually yeah. queerer than what they thought, right? right. So <laughs> queer than what how, I thought. how does religion play in your life today? Mm -hmm. And how did it play back then? And yeah. what are your thoughts about that correlation, blackness and um, yeah. religion? I have, um, I have a lot of like real kind of like conflicting thoughts and beliefs around religion. Um, I have never, I think like there was a period of time that I felt like religion was helpful to me in my life. Like I like to be in community. I like to um, pray, like I like the act of, of prayer and just like that meditative sort of practice and like ritual and feeling proud of myself for, for committing to something. Like there were a lot of aspects about it that I liked, but there were always, there were always, always these moments where I still had to like revisit feeling really ashamed. Whether it's like an exact verse in the Bible that's like, mm, you're not supposed to be doing this, or you know, this like barely tolerance kind of rhetoric, yeah, <laughs> or you know, just different stuff, or just like yeah, feeling like it wasn't really for me. So um, I'm not, I don't practice any religion. I feel like the last religion I practiced was Buddhism, mm -hmm. um, and I haven't recently, but it was, it resonated with me, yeah. um, but. You know, I just, yeah, I feel like I appreciate what it brings for certain black people. Um, there's a lot of black people in my family whose life, religion really saved, mm -hmm. who were like drug afflicted or whatever other type shit. But um, yeah, I, I personally don't feel like it is for me and I feel like the basis has always been control. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'm working every day on the opposite side of that. I'm trying to get me and my folks free on all levels and feeling liberated on yeah. all levels. So I just don't, um, yeah, I don't, I, tr I try not to diss people. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I appreciate um, all those things that I said that the reasons that it connected with me before, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, I'm good. So do you think that you've created your own religion with Brooklyn <laughs> Boyhood? Oh And can you talk God. about what Brooklyn questions. Boyhood is? and how it came to be. <laughs> um, damn, I never really thought of it. In a sense, yeah, I mean, not just community, gathering, yeah. healing, liberation, <laughs> everything that you said that you oh, felt man. like re religion should be, you mm -hmm. didn't get that. So I feel like you, that's what you created yeah. with Brooklyn Boyhood. So first start off by mm -hmm. telling people what Brooklyn Boyhood is and yeah. how it came to be. And, mm -hmm. yeah. So Brooklyn Boyhood is a, um, we're a collective of queer and trans people of color, um, really queer and trans black folks who, um, you know, work to cultivate safe spaces, celebratory spaces. Um, we really believe in like storytelling and um, controlling our own narratives. So we have an anthology called Outside the XY. Um, Queer, black, and brown masculinity, which is to me like the first of its kind. Mm -hmm. um, Where can people purchase that if they're all interested? over? Okay. It's, I mean, on our website, okay. Wait, you know, but also like on Amazon or whatever. Yeah. I mean, plug yourself. I mean, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Love yourself. Plug yeah. yourself. Get yeah. <laughs> love yourself. Plug yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, we, we you know, we started out uh, really just wanting to make a project that felt. Uh, representative of, of us and like felt like something we could look at every day so we made a calendar that was like really analog of us um, but it sort of put us on the map as leaders in terms of like presenting a diversity um, around like masculinity as it relates to like queer and trans people 
and also just like doing it really well. Like we work really hard to get photographers that were really good and could like work with our folks and we're in community and you were a model and yeah. one of the very original, I remember that shoot. I mm -hmm. remember when you came, it was early as fuck. It was early in the morning and you came in and you were so, you had so much energy. <laughs> And you were dancing to Beyonce, I think, and like yeah. duck walking all the way across my yeah. living room. And I was just like, yo, this is about to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even that, like make creating a space for you to celebrate yourself sure. was important to us. Um, and yeah, now we're about to be in year 10 and we're thinking about like, you know, uh, owning space and, um, you know, creating space that we can, that our folks can retreat. And so we're like moving into a different phase. But essentially, the core of it is, um, you know, things like intergenerational work. So we're really like um, in community with our young, with young folks and our elders. You know, learning the history and also like keeping fresh perspectives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we do we do a lot of stuff, and I I think the collective has um, will hopefully like this included like. I hope that the narratives that we bring up through it and also like the experiences that we all get to have in the spaces are something that like people get to know about for years and years to come because sure. yeah. yeah, it is our religion low key. It is, it is. And that's why yeah. I, I just really love you, man. I love you too. You know, um, when I first moved to New York, mm -hmm. I was trying to find community. Mm -hmm. I knew nobody, literally mm -hmm. nobody. And when I came across Brooklyn Boyhood, I was just like, wow, like, what is this? Like, that's where I met Tashawn, you know, mm -hmm. love more, you know? And I'm just like, this is what community is about. This is what family is about. This is my religion. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, wherever Brooklyn Boyhood is, I know it's a safe space. Mm -hmm. I can go there. I can get free. Mm -hmm. I can just be who I am. I mean, I used to wear floral tights, I remember. you know, and booty shorts <laughs> and um, tank tops with no nothing underneath. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally was just my freest mm -hmm. in the spaces that you created. And now, like you said, it's been 10 years. Mm -hmm. Black Trans TV has been two years, mm -hmm. right? And we came, mm -hmm. we birthed from the Brooklyn Boyhood. That's so if there was no you, there mm -hmm. would be no us. That's and that's why it's like we got to pass the torch, mm -hmm. but then we also have to remember who gave us that torch. Mm -hmm. So that this is a moment that yeah, is amazing for me. That. But yeah. um, back to Brooklyn Boyhood, mm -hmm. is so you said that you're planning something for 10 years, so we have something to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of visibility and representation, because you were talking about the calendar mm -hmm. and having these spaces, what is the importance mm -hmm. to you in terms of visibility and representation? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you to be mm -hmm. visible? What does it mean to represent for your people? Mm. I think when I... Uh, when I think about visibility now, um, because there's, even though there's like more and more stories that we get to hear about and more and more narratives and more visuals and stuff like that, um, there's still so many folks in community that are like in isolation. Mm -hmm. There's still, um, that's why I love what y'all do because it's like most folks are roaming through life like not loving themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, just with so much negative self-talk and like lack of motivation to like really create a life that um, that feels good every day mm -hmm. and I think you know so like for me visibility is less about my identity these days and more about like what I represent in terms of um, you know the possibilities of like living and kind of um making a living and being able to still be like involved in things that you feel passionate about. 
and you know the fact that I get to be in community with people I love every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, it 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 really could pull somebody out of a, a dark place to to find a common thread um, in your, in your story or someone else's story, and so. I just think about those moments for me mm-hmm. and the, the times that, you know, my life has pivoted because I saw my reflection in somebody that I was like, oh, I can reach higher. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can go further. I can challenge myself to, to love myself even more. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, all the possibilities. So does your work with Brooklyn Boyhood, is that your greatest source of joy? Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, when do you feel the most alive and joyful? What are you doing? Who you're with? What does it feel like? What does it mm-hmm. taste like? Smell like? Whatever. Give me yeah. all the senses of your joy. I think I can't even really rank things, but Brooklyn Boyhood, like, I definitely have moments of bliss every single time mm-hmm. that we're organized or doing anything, whether it's a bike ride or a party. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I definitely always take a moment mm-hmm. at some point, and I'm just like, this is crazy. You know, and I feel totally blissful and thankful and grateful um, for, like, everybody. For just, you know, making sure that that, like, I could be in that room by myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just, like, really being in that moment. So it's definitely a place um, where I feel the most joy. Also, I feel a lot of joy when I'm playing outside. Yeah. So. (laughs) What do you like to do outside? Yo, I love riding my bike. I love playing flag football. I love just, like. You know, going hiking and jumping on rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, I really love to play. And I really feel really liberated. I feel really, like, thankful and grateful to my body in those moments. I feel like my kid self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, like, a really... Another place, I would say, is just, like, when I'm spending time with my loved ones, my family and friends. Um, when I'm traveling, when, I, when I'm looking at beautiful shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether that's art or landscapes I've never seen. So I have, there's so many, you know, I'm also like a little moment person. If I look up in the sky and it's beautiful, I might just start crying Mm. in the streets. Like I have a very like, uh, just open heart and I feel a lot of gratitude a lot. And I know oftentimes the narrative about transness is about your body, right? And I know Mm -hmm. you talked about dysphoria a little bit as a child. Mm -hmm. As an adult, do you feel dysphoric or do have you found so much joy in life and in those moments you just spoke about that you don't think about your actual physical nature as often or it's not mm-hmm. as terrifying for you to navigate because you're yeah. like, I'm whole mm-hmm. and I'm one with the earth type situation? Yeah, um, I feel lucky in that I have like tools that I can access whenever and just people in my life that make me feel affirmed and that I'm in therapy mm-hmm. and at the moment on anxiety medication or whatever. So all those little things, um, I feel like along with this whole journey have helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but, I, but I still have my moments. Mm-hmm. Obviously there are days where that little voice is just gonna like take over and you just kind of have to bounce back. Um, but I feel good. I feel like my transness is represented. Mm-hmm. And at first, I didn't really feel a lot of validity for that as an identity, you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, well, you know, I'm not on hormones or I haven't done this or I haven't done that at, at the time. So I felt like, but yeah, I feel like more and more every day, I feel more and more comfortable gotcha. with myself. And in one word, mm-hmm. how would you describe yourself? 
I think oftentimes society is like, oh, there's a trans man, there's a trans person, <laughs> right? Right. How do you describe yourself? You, you're taking back the power. You're saying, I am. Mm. You can just say, I am Ryan. If yeah. that's, that feels most uh, peaceful for you. Mm-hmm. But what is it for you? What is that one word that you could say, boom, that's me? Word. It could be a color. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Me. I don't know why, but um, I keep thinking about, like, a plant or a tree. Okay. okay. Or some shit. Um, that was, like, you know, first word association type thing. But, yeah, I feel like I don't... It's really hard for me to, to like, resonate with the, the terms that have sort of been selected. Um, you know, and I think plant or, like, just, like, life in that sense started to pop up for me because I just feel like I'm evolving so much all the time um, that, you know, you could ask me yesterday how, how I identify tomorrow might be different. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't feel linear in this way, mm-hmm. even to like those terms. Like, I don't really feel like linear. I feel more branchy. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense. So like I guess in, in that sense, the mm-hmm. binary doesn't really exist for you, right? So is yeah. your transness more mm-hmm. vast than male and female? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm more often identify as non-binary okay. just to try to like, you know, contain, give it a container for people. But um, yeah, I think like my birth name is Ryan, mm-hmm. and my mother, an astrologer, <laughs> you know, we've talked about this a lot, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, not to, like, totally gender names and stuff, but I do feel, like, throughout her whole pregnancy term, they were like, yeah, you're definitely having a boy, mm-hmm. and then for me to be assigned female at birth, I just love the, the fact that she kept Ryan as a name, yeah. <laughs> added an N on it, just on some, like, black momhood shit. But, you know, I feel like (laughs) it was a cool little nod, Mm -hmm. you know, that always made me feel, like, really on purpose. Like, she saw you. Yeah, before even really meeting me. You know what I'm saying? I feel like her spirit was like, nah, this name is going to rock, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I always have just felt really, really fluid uh, in that aspect. And, um, yeah. How do you feel navigating as a non-binary person, right? Mm -hmm. So you say my pronouns are they, them. Do you feel like you're respected when you say my pronouns are they, them? Or do you feel like people forcibly put he or she on you according to their own, you know, ideologies? I don't even, um, you know, I use he, him. I use she, her. Mm -hmm. I use they, them, you know. um, And that's something I kind of like, it depends on the space I'm in. Mm -hmm. I remember my nephew... Uh, one of Chino's sons, I was on the phone with him the other day, and his whole life he's called me he, him. And he called me her the other day on the phone. <laughs> and we were both kind of shocked. Like, oh. He was like, oh, Ryan, I don't know why I just did that. Like, I'm really, you know, he's yeah. used to checking for people's pronouns and yeah. stuff. So he's like, I don't know why I just did that. Like, he's tw- he's about to be 12. Because like, you basically raised them, too. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yo, Chino, it's actually cool. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure what energy... I gave you that made you want to call me her, but I, I use her too. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, right, cool. You know? Well, so beautiful. I feel like, yeah, I feel like when, it just depends on the spaces I'm in and like how I feel and like um, whatever, but I feel pretty fluid in terms of pronouns. Gotcha. But do you feel like if you were to exclusively use they, them, mm-hmm. that that would cause perhaps more anxiety for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I probably avoid it because gotcha. I don't want to hear how that's plural. 
uh-huh. or whatever type of argument. Especially you know in the I'm black saying? community. Right. Yeah. And, and I do have the questions. Like, sometimes I do ask myself, like, are you that comfortable? And people challenge, us to, with, uh, challenge me with this all the time. But they're like, are you really that comfortable with any pronoun? Mm-hmm. Or not any, but these particular pronouns. Or are you making space for people? Mm-hmm. So I, I revisit it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I do take notice to when, like, only, I feel like it's so hard to, to make other people understand. But, like, when people say a certain pronoun, yeah. like, that feeling you get. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it don't go yeah. right with you. Yeah. It's just a feeling oh, that I, I really cannot explain. Yeah. Um, you know, I see it more like, yeah, yeah. It hurts. It's yeah. like, yeah, maybe it's pain, but yeah. it's also like just a, a discomfort, mm-hmm. almost like a, a little bit of shame mixed up in there. And, and usually it ain't got nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It's that person projecting whatever. Um, so I try to really pay attention to when that happens for me. Gotcha. But yeah, mm-hmm. for the most part, um, I'm pretty like all over the spectrum. Would you like to share a moment where that's happened, where you felt that discomfort? I mean, it's countless moments, okay. but um, yeah, I don't know. I can't even like pinpoint it, one. It There's so many little microaggressions. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. probably like four times today. Okay. Um, that's why, I, like, probably if I could choose, I would just, you know, tell the world that like let's just shift from even using pronouns. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? But I know some people feel really good identifying with certain ones. So for sure. Mm-hmm. And speaking of pronouns, mm-hmm. so. What does the future look like in terms of family yeah. and um, being a parent, if that's something that mm. you're thinking about? And how would your kids identify you? And Yeah. 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 Um, I definitely feel like a dad. Okay. For sure. So you if I were to have kids. He, him, dad with kids. I think I would. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or just some sort of like cool, you know, yeah. take on dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I give like a lot of dad energy. So are you? Uh, I embrace that. Are you thinking about that in the future? Like, is it close? I mean, I'm gonna be real. I uh, in this moment, mm-hmm. I don't see it for myself anytime soon. But I do feel this like I have a feeling that I'm gonna adopt. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I feel like it's gonna be a little later in life, and I feel like it's gonna be a young person who's probably. I may have already seen this person because I, t- I, t- I talk about this often how I feel like there's somebody who's going to find me and we're going to find each other mm-hmm. when I'm a little older um, but besides that yeah I'm, I'm cool with being like auntie uncle rah rah <laughs> I like that yeah I like they that. Call that's smooth that's smooth <laughs> yeah. so you have been thinking about it and I'm happy yeah. about that because mm-hmm. I do think that people think about the um, monolithic Mm-hmm. Uh, ideology about transness, right? So, like, this trans person is like, oh, well, you lost your reproductive rights. Right. You can't have a family. And yeah. So, adoption is a, Yo. a normal thing for people to consider when mm-hmm. it comes to being parents. Yeah. Um, and if you yeah. are on hormone therapy, they, I don't know if other people's doctors do this, but mm-hmm. I feel like my doctor was very, like, well... Are you gonna get? Or do you plan on being pregnant? Like, are you sure you're not gonna plan mm-hmm. on being pregnant? You positive? You don't want? And I'm just like, why the fuck do you keep asking? But me that? to see how they're safeguarding your body and kind of saying like, well, you were assigned a certain way, so yeah. you should utilize all capabilities that you have. And also like and trans people, like how do you? There's not even enough research to say that's like. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just, yeah. Like but how just, do you even know? The medical industry is just very weird because they're like, oh my god. I, what they call a woman is mm-hmm. not able to have a child. It's like, do whatever you want aesthetically, right. but it might have repercussions. Yeah. And you might be very sad later. Yeah, I'm just like, what yeah. the fuck is that, bro? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, um, 
I've never wanted to give birth. I, I'm I'm about to be 35. Like I don't yeah. think it's gonna just all of a sudden change for yeah. me. But thank you for the 30 fucking warnings <laughs> that you gave me. Like it's really not that yeah. serious. So how's your body feeling uh, doing hormone replacement therapy, and what yeah. method are you utilizing if you care to share? Yeah, you know what's interesting. I told you you were one of the few people that I really even disclosed it to, yeah. and probably before now. Like I don't know who listens to this, but there, there are still a few. But yeah, I feel like I've been the taking whole a world. <laughs> the whole world. It's fine. <laughs> um, I've been taking an interesting approach to it. Like I and I didn't really have language for it until I just read this article. Who I feel bad that I can't remember who wrote it, the person's name. But they basically talked about like micro dosing testosterone, and I was like, oh, maybe that's what I'm doing. You know, like I never really named it, but it always felt like I was on this like slow crawl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the approach that, you know, me and my physician decided to take. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool, cool. And um, I guess it's been months, a few months, I don't even, a few months now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel mainly, and I'm also, like, in therapy and all this other okay. stuff at the same time. But, um, which is helpful for me personally on my journey. But I feel good about just even making a decision, mm-hmm. you know, um, which you definitely helped me yeah. to get there. So awesome. I appreciate that. No doubt. Um, I mean, you helped me get here. Right. We you get there. You see how that <laughs> works? It's an exchange, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I and mean, how's your family feeling about this yeah, physical great question. shift? Yeah, yeah, I haven't really um, talked to anyone in my, my blood family okay. about it. And I know that my siblings would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel really challenged about talking to my mom about it. She's a nurse mm-hmm. and is going to have enough to say. And I'm just like... I just haven't been ready to do all the deflection right now. Gotcha. Um, also, she might be sho- totally shocked me and be like overwhelmingly supportive. I'm not sure, but yeah, I just at this point, like where I'm at in the journey, I haven't invited them in yet. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to ask you a question and get off this topic. Let's talk about something um, a little, a little different. It's still on topic. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, black trans women are, you know, being murdered at an alarming rate. As a black person mm-hmm. and a trans person, mm-hmm. what do you feel like is the biggest threat to the intersectionality of that identity, black and transness? Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's a great question. Well, how do you feel about what's happening to our women to maybe you know help mm-hmm. you figure it out? Yeah, um, there's so many things at play that I think intersect I feel like one of the major the major things is just like blackness mm-hmm. you know what I'm yeah. saying like I feel like when you kind of when you exist at that intersection um, you know systemic oppression is just like compounded on compounded depending on your mm-hmm. situation so I feel like honestly like the lack of human rights um, for black folks in general and then the more like marginalized the communities are like within that community it's just dangerous territory mm-hmm. you know to be a part of a group of people who literally there's no investment mm-hmm. is fucking crazy you know and not even that there's no investment there's actually a disinvestment and there are um, all these like there's a whole culture that supports like the hatred of femininity there's a whole culture that supports 
hating black people. There's a whole culture that supports hating trans people. Um, and so, you know, I just feel like it's just like basic human rights. Like that's one of the main things. And I don't even remember if I learned this from you all. I feel like I did, or I don't even know where I saw it, but it just, and maybe you can speak to it if this was something you said, but I just remember reading, or maybe it was Erica Hart, but it was just, there, it was just, you know, the conversation around like, yeah, black trans women are being murdered, but like also um, people need housing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, that's killing black trans women. Or you know what it was? I think this came up in the film, at, at the film screening. Miss Major. Miss Major. Yes. In, in the talk back or the film itself, but um, you know, just like thinking about that is really, really intense. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, on top of that, like thinking about the fact that, you know, folks are trying to be loved and have relationships. Yeah. And in that, and in like being your true self as a black trans woman, that that could like be putting your life at risk is a crazy thought, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's just been a dis- disinvestment across all, you know, communities mm-hmm. that aren't black trans women who've been holding it down or other queer folks who've been holding it down. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, there are some really like crazy things happening in the world and um, it's amazing that anyone has survived like you know what I'm saying that we're even allowed to talk about it yeah it's pretty crazy and as a person that is not a woman right Mm -hmm. and but is trans so how do you utilize your privilege or how do you plan to utilize your privilege in order to um, create systems or spaces or provide education to ensure that black trans women not just survive Mm -hmm. but thrive yeah I think um part of it in my work has been a lot about just um really trying to well one thing that's coming to mind first is my work with like young cis men Mm -hmm. um just like you know the mentorship and being in community with a lot of young cis men who identify as straight or whatever, you know, who may date black trans women or, um, you know, or be in spaces with queer people. Like, I feel like a lot of that work is important. Just hoping that the messages that I'm teaching around, like breaking down the toxic masculinity that exists in all of us, um, is something that they are embracing and also like reteaching or whatever. This is something that for years and years I've been invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like, you know, trying to create spaces where everybody can feel welcome. For sure. Um, which is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about the work that you do with young mm-hmm. uh, cis men? Yeah. yeah. Um, so in more formal structures, it's been like uh, mentorship programs a lot at, uh, I guess one of my nonprofit organizational homes, which is a center for new leadership. Um, but, you know, I've also worked for like cases and mostly programs where um, young folks were either affected directly by the criminal injustice system or had family members who were impacted. Um, at the time, I had a lot of direct family members who were impacted. And so, um, you know, just being yeah, and most kids are from Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Queens area. So, yeah, just, just doing workshops every day. 
um, around like self love, <laughs> um, communication, you know, gender identity. Uh, we would talk about street harassment. We would talk about whatever they brought up. Like it was a really, really cool space. Cool. How do you feel like they interact with you mm-hmm. um, as a person? It is non-binary, yeah, black yeah. and trans. You know, Yo, um, yeah. Talk about that situation. So Maybe first when you first met them and how it is now. And, yeah. So so dope. Like a lot of these young guys are like my best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and um, one of like my first real connections through this program a young guy named Alex he just turned 25 a couple days ago and I met him when he was 16 mm-hmm. and I was just like I can't even and he is an incredible guy you know um, and he's still doing this work and he I just yeah he I always like felt a connected a connection to him um, you know at the time he was still kind of like borderline like I'm in these streets but I also really wanted like focus on other things and um yeah like I just was in his corner you know as he grew up and now like he's my family like treats me with the utmost respect you know I feel like if I call him for anything he got me Mm -hmm. um yeah just countless (laughs) countless moments where I felt like uh you know there's so much hope and when he came in there like he didn't really have any context for any of that um, but you know, was so open minded and is still very open minded. Um, and honestly, like I was in a different part of my journey when we met, so he's kind of been on this aspect of it with me. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, and I had Chino with me most of the time too. So yeah. <laughs> just like having that perspective, I remember when Chino deliberately was like, "Yes, yeah, he him now," mm-hmm. and it was a huge learning curve, but it became a thing where. If you weren't on board, everybody was looking at you like you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody in the space was like, she heard, the whole room was like, you know, yeah. <laughs> we all know, like, that's disrespectful. You're late. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And this <laughs> is Where like, you been? Right? Yeah. So the culture, we really did create a different culture. Got you, got um, you. That I do think uh, they take with them in the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. Yeah. I mean, the work that you do is phenomenal. I feel like mm-hmm. I learn something every time I talk to you. <laughs> like, oh, you do that too? Um, so where do you think this stems from, mm-hmm. this selflessness, right? Like, at the same time, you're navigating your own self, figuring yourself out, mm-hmm. dealing with your anxiety and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Your family, you don't even talk to them about who you are. Right. But then you're helping people navigate <laughs> mm-hmm. to the best version of themselves, right. both within, directly, the trans queer community mm-hmm. and outside. Where do you think this comes from? Like, what is it about Mm -hmm. your DNA Mm -hmm. that makes you so passionate about this work? Yeah, I I don't know. I think there's always been, I don't know if it's in my sign or my ancestry or something. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to tell the people out there your sign? Yeah, (laughs) I'm a Leo. I got a Scorpio moon and a Gemini rising. It's complicated. It's complicated. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I feel like... Every at every point in my life, I've been advocating for something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know what that is like, and I guess here is, you know, here in Brooklyn, it's become more around my identity, so it's a lot, it's close to home, um, in a, in a sense, and it also has like, whatever. Um, but I yeah, like honestly, from a kid, like I I've always been. Like right there, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I remember when uh, 
there was like a little riot at my high school. My mom was mad as hell because I was on the news, oh. talking through the fence like they should have never fired him. Talking about our like guidance counselor. Like I was always like, you know, I remember when the super got fired in my building. I'm like trying to get. I'm, I got the petition. I'm like, no, you know, we got to fight for hope. Like it, it's just I don't know what it is. Like um, a lot of it probably from my mom, who, you know, just raised me to to be proud of my blackness mm-hmm. and to be proud that I come from a long line of people who stand up for themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, like, something that resonated. For sure. So mm-hmm. if time, money, and energy mm-hmm. were not a factor, what would you go after if you knew you could definitely succeed? Because I feel like, personally, the work that you do now, mm-hmm. if you weren't paid for it, you would still do it, right? No, for sure. And a lot of times I'm barely paid for it. <laughs> that's getting better, though. Um, but... Hmm. So time, money, yeah. or energy. You can pick one or three or all of them. If they were not a factor, yeah. what would you go after? Like, what would you do? I think I would, uh, I would be focused on um, so many things. I, I, wow. Because you already know I do a thousand things right now. Yeah. But in the, for the sake of this conversation, I think um, one thing that I feel like has been harder to, to manifest is, like, international Connection, so I would love to like do a lot of the things I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to experience that in other places or help groups that live in other parts of the world like build things up in this sense. Um, so yeah, I think like just branching out and connecting with the diaspora everywhere yeah. is like a dream. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about being black? So many fucking things. Um, Tell me all. <laughs> Tell me all. <laughs> I love just being a part of our culture. I think it's like the most popular, sought after, respected slash disrespected culture in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the I love the rhythm in my speech. You know, I love um, you know I love being a like. Yeah, just, like, celebrating and dancing and feeling like, you know, these are my people. Um, And, yeah, I just love, like, being a part of a group of folks who, you know, has literally overcome the most just destructive, violent history. You know, one of the most destructive, violent histories of our time. And, you know, we're able to manifest so much beautiful shit out of it. So I feel really proud to be a part of that culture. Do you feel like being trans mm-hmm. is deeply, deeply part of being black? Hell or do yeah. you feel like it's two separate words? No. Yeah. I think um, the fact that we're that we're even like a little bit removed from embracing like transness or just the depth of our identities, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, stuff that we don't even realize. We probably got from, like, white culture and, like, Eurocentric ways of thinking. I think we, you know, a lot of us come from community um, in terms of, like, our ancestry. Like, I think we were used to, like, being in community and being with each other mm-hmm. in this way. So, like, it feels impossible to me to feel to think like, oh, like we didn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, we've been here and, you know, I read about like 
in that book, The Spirit of Intimacy, how they talk about, like, oh, like, motherfuckers were, like, gateways of communication. Mm-hmm. And that feels really, like, that resonates now. And, like, um, just the way that blackness and transness, there's also this intersection of, like, creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's an intersection of, like, um, just, like, forward thinking mm-hmm. and, like, innovation. And, like, all these things that are you know, what our oppressors fear the most. So that, I know were, I know that there were like trans folks that we don't even know were trans, that were, you know, integral to who we are today. Um, It's the histories, the histories that impacted us the most are the ones they really want to hide. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they're like, yeah, you can have that. But those deep histories that really like bring up all these nuances and like, make us act, ask the questions and like really get us to the solutions. Cause these moments when I'm able to build with like young cis men, like, or like elders who don't understand, like I was just in a group, uh, uh, you know, lesbian real was the name of the group. And yeah. all they wanted to know was like, what is up with this trans shit? Mm-hmm. You know, we have questions and we also relate, you know? So like these moments when you are able to um, like have these epiphanies of, oh shit, I get you the space that is that now there for you to grow with that person is astronomical. For sure. They don't want us to be connected on those levels. For sure. It's way too deep. They don't. They don't. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like, yeah, I don't even remember what the fuck the question was. <laughs> it was just um, how you feel about transness. Like, is it a part of being black mm-hmm. to yeah. you? Totally. Or do you see it as two separate things? And mm-hmm. you answered it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, what are five things that you love mm-hmm. about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that I push through even if I'm afraid. Um, I love that I get energy from people. I love that, like, I'm a bit extroverted at times. Yeah. I love, um, I love my empathy. Mm -hmm. I love, um... I love my like don't give a fuck attitude. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'm in conflict with it, but I also love it. And what do I love about myself? I love my unique style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you are pretty swaggy. <laughs> Get a little bum chic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. This is going so great so far. Um, awesome. I have a few more questions, mm-hmm. if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, I would like to know how dating is mm-hmm. going for you as a person who is just super fluid yeah. with their personal identity do you date strictly like you know a certain type of woman mm-hmm. or you know have you dated trans women or trans men yeah. or like where are you on the spectrum or yeah i guess uh i'm pretty all over the place okay yeah um it's hard to say now because i've been like in a monogamous relationship for a minute but yeah, I feel like, yeah, I've, I've dated kind of all over the spectrum. Okay. That was something that um, felt important to my, like, I guess, sexual liberation in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, to move based on, like, my own attraction for real. <laughs> yeah. Versus, like, what was placed on me. So even if that means, like, 
so you know de- dating trans women which feels more aligned i guess aesthetically for people than like dating another mass person gotcha for yeah. instance yeah. so i feel like i definitely got more shade from that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> than anything and so but yeah i think uh and i also had my own internal mess because i know at a time where i was dating mass folks i would like treat them bad mm-hmm. or like it was only a sexual thing and like you don't got your your feelings aren't as like you know it was like this weird thing um that i had to be checked about and i was like damn what is that and yeah. is that like how i see myself like yeah. like i don't have fear like it was just a real mindfuck but also an important lesson um unfortunately at the expense of like being fucked up in the moment but you know it was like yeah i think uh i'm I've, i think i feel open Got you. Yeah. I, no, I really just appreciate your transparency. Mm-hmm. We just released a video on YouTube about gay is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a person that asked us, like, or was actually kind of like just spewing all this hatred in regards mm-hmm. to people identified as male. So they were assigned for my birth, they identified as male, mm-hmm. having sex with cis men, mm-hmm. having sex with trans women, mm-hmm. or I guess, you know, other men of trans experience. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to hear maybe your thoughts on that. Yeah. This is the, like, we had this conversation with the elders, too, and um, I'm glad that people are fucking and they're happy. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and you. And I'm sad that it makes other people so unhappy. Yeah. And I don't a, know why. What is the obsession <laughs> with other people in their bedrooms and their know. genitals? Like, it's really weird to me. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it starts to feel like high school when people talk about stuff like that mm-hmm. in this way, and I'm just like, and I can't even say high school. Like, that's discrediting my young people. You know, like, yeah. they're probably off that. Like, we, people need to really open up. Um, but, you know, sex is, as much as we want to think we're, like, a liberated country and, like, things aren't taboo, it's so taboo. Oh, yeah, for sure. And ain't nobody talking about nothing. Yeah. You know, not nobody, but especially, like, cis het spaces, mm-hmm. not in the same way. So, um, yeah, I think as people become more liberated in their identities, like those kind of conversations will happen more and more and people will realize it's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's sad that people are so sad about that. For sure, I mean, I just brought it up for the sake of when people think about transness, right? And especially black people, when Mm -hmm. they think about transness, they always think about our body. Right. So how do you do it? Mm -hmm. What are you doing to your body? Those are the first two questions that they're so concerned with. it's been tough to be black and trans myself. And I know that we resonate with, you know, being from Maryland, mm-hmm. the religious upbringing, mm-hmm. parents that just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling now? Are you at peace with mm-hmm. yourself? On most days. Yeah. Yeah. What I brings feel you the most peace? peace? Yeah. Um, I think, like, the fact, honestly, like, this probably goes back to another question, but I have, t- I have a... The relationship to my work is sort of healing. Okay, okay. So I think, um, you know, being able to, like, organize about about these things means I'm, like, in, in conversation with people that get it mm-hmm. often, more often than not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think just, like, shaping my life so that I'm surrounded by, like, people, places, and things that make me feel good about me Okay. are helpful. Cool. So what do you hope for in the future for people who look, look, love, and live and express themselves like you? Mm. I hope for people to um, just really see 
that there that it's gonna sound cliche, but like that possibilities are pretty limitless. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in terms of like who you are, who you want to be, what you're doing, where you're at, <laughs> like the fact that we can have everything. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what does legacy mean to you? Um, I think less about, I don't know if it's different, but I don't even, I just want like, I just think there's so many important things that, that, that people need to remember mm-hmm. so that um, we don't have to like keep starting from scratch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think there's so many tools and like gyms and there's more of a path. We always feel like we're forging our own, but there's people that have forged it a bit before us. Mm-hmm. And when we get to know about it, we get a lot of lessons in that. So, for sure. Yeah. But what advice would you give to your younger self, any age? Hmm. I would. I would tell, um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, would, I would probably let it rock. I needed those lessons. <laughs> I can't even think, I'm like. No, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, or was it something that you learned mm-hmm. when you were younger that you're grateful for that experience, if you take it that way? Um, so. Yeah, I would say, uh, I learned that you really have to like move based on your own, like that I would just, that I have agency, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing that earlier maybe, um, to like make choices for your life, like that they don't have to be shaped by other people's influence. For sure. Who is your greatest inspiration? Oof. Um, we're winding down now. These are just the things right. I want you to I would say one of them is definitely my mom. Gotcha. Yeah. And why is that? She um. She just came up at a crazy time, and uh, you know she managed to, you know, with like a half full cup, pour herself into her kids and her family. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, provide a life for us. And, yeah, she's just been working hard, honestly, since she was, like, eight or nine years old. Gotcha. That's really awesome. It's crazy. (laughs) So, I really, she inspires me. Mainly to, like, you know, we both need to, like, hook our moms up so they can put their feet up somewhere. Man, you ain't telling me nothing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, is there anything else that you want to tell the people who may tune in and, and, you know, hear this? Mm Mm-hmm. And really resonate with your story. Is there anything that you feel like we didn't cover that you would like to share mm-hmm. at this moment? Go ahead. No, nah, I mean, really, if anybody's listening to this as dope, that means that they're like open-minded or the story resonates. And I would say just like keep digging, keep keep learning about you know as many perspectives as possible. Yeah, and for sure. That's like that shapes us to be better people, man. Awesome. Yeah. Just remind them one more time your mm-hmm. name, your pronouns, what you do, Brooklyn Boyhood, and all that, a little bit. Yeah. My name is Ryan Holmes, and my pronouns are they, them. 
You kept you kept the they them. Do we gonna keep it they them? Okay. Um, yeah, and is this gonna exist for like hundreds of years? What if the internet doesn't exist? Anymore? Yeah, forever. Word. If Google still exists, <laughs> yo, getting well, them archives. It's a man. library. Archives. Fucking like, this, library. Go look. This. Look up. I also have the X wires probably in here. I'll put a secret message on page sixty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, we were here. We've been here. Um, if I'm still alive and it's like mad years from now, hit me up. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ryan. I am so happy that you exist. Appreciate that Brooklyn you. Boyhood exists because now I exist as my <laughs> greatest self, creating <laughs> content and gathering community. Mm-hmm. You are a warrior. Yes, you I are am. amazing. You are brilliant, and you know just keep doing what you do. The people Appreciate need you, brother. We love you so much. Love you too. All right. This was dope. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Amazing. So cool.